Hey, welcome to Exposed Conferences. I'm your host, Christina Danielle. Thank you for tuning into the podcast where we're going to be exposing current trends, challenges, and the futures of conferences. As well, I'll be having candid conversations with industry experts that will elevate your events and help you create partnerships that expand beyond the calendar year. I'm really happy to have you listening today and hope you benefit from today's episode as well as future episodes. On today's episode, I'm talking with Alex Nesterak, Chief Creative Director of Alexandria Nesterak Events, which is a full-service wedding and event planning and design company based in Washington, D.C. Alex has a unique approach to events through thoughtful planning, creative details, and dreamy decor. Her events have been featured in Washingtonian Bride and Broom Winter Spring 2018 and both the Spring, Summer, and December 2018 issues of Modern Luxury Weddings. A fun fact is that she was a colleague of mine several years ago at an association in Washington, D.C., where she worked collectively on her housing registration team. She was and is still influential in the industry and has paved her own way successfully running her own business. On this episode, she'll be exposing the importance of vetting vendors, negotiating contracts, and all things vendor-related when it comes to successfully planning and running events. Hi, Alex. Welcome. Hi, Christina. Thanks so much for having me. And last time we were we were working together and spending time together was in the association world. So I have kind of paved a different way since then. So I'm excited to kind of talk about just the overall event industry in general. Yeah. And that's why I was so excited to have you speak specifically to this topic, just because your knowledge of events, just in the various aspects of the event space, you know, working in the association world, and now running your own business, which lends itself to weddings and to more uh, social events. And so I think you're somebody who will be great value and resource to um, nurse. Somebody is planning an event. What are some ways for them to find vendors in the industry, whether it be a venue that they can use for their event space or a catering service? How and what ways are you able to identify who those vendors are and if they actually are reputable? Good spot to start would be social media. Social media plays such a big role these days on how clients are are finding vendors and booking vendors. I know at least for a lot of my clients, most of them come to me right after they have booked a venue. Of those people who have already booked venues, I would say that that is where things are going. And that's sort of how at least my clients are finding vendors just to make sure that they are, they are working at venues that you're looking at or that you've booked. But asking around too, word of mouth is a lot of venues these days do have preferred vendor lists. A lot of caterers on those lists, the venues require clients to use those caterers just because they know the ins and outs of the kitchen space and load in, load out. Then they do also, a lot of them have preferred vendors, not required vendors, but preferred vendors for all kinds of other categories. So that's always a really good place to start as well because the vendors on that list have proven themselves at those venues. They obviously know it like the back of their hand and that kind of makes the the client's job a little bit easier easier in terms of um, making sure that the the vendors know the space and that it's feasible in terms of what they have to get done. So yeah, I would definitely say social media is a big one to start. Utilizing your planner, family, friends, anyone who has planned an event and has good things to say about vendors, that's always a good place to start. And then yeah, utilizing the, the venue. Awesome. Great point. You know, I think social media, as much as people use it, sometimes it does get underestimated in the sense of the event space. And so, I mean, I found so many great vendors through a Google search. Word of mouth, also great point. A lot of times you'll find vendors or just people that are helpful to you in the planning of your events just through word of mouth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, like I said, that that kind of just takes away the 
it, or gives you the peace of mind knowing that somebody else that you know that you trust, trust that person. So you're not, it, it kind of eliminates the number of sleepless nights you get stressing over, are they going to show up or not? Are they going to do a good job? What are you using to research the people and the vendors that you're going to be working with? But then how are you making sure that they're kind of ticking off all of those key aspects that you're looking for to get your event running and to ensure that everything else is going to be moved into. Of course, I like to expand my network. I like to work with other vendors. That is, that's the beauty of working in a city like Washington, DC, where there's just such, there's so much creative talent and there's just, there's so many people in this industry in a good way. So obviously I like working with, with new people um, and getting to, to form relationships, but the only way to truly vet somebody on my end is to work with them. You know, they can be great in the lead up. They can be really responsive. They can be very flexible. And then if event day comes and they're late or they don't have everything that they need or they're not calm under pressure or whatever the case may be, they're probably not a great fit for me to work with again. So that for me, I have a preferred vendor list, just like a venue does, that I keep track of all of the vendors that I've worked with over the years. I have it divided up into different regions. I, I mainly work in DC, events in, in Southern Virginia. So I do have it split up geographically and then by price point, which is another good thing for my clients that I have broken down by price points. So they can kind of flowers, for example, I have about 12 florists on the list. And if they have a pretty decent sized budget, then they know that they can reach out to the higher end florists. If they are trying to keep it on the lower end of things in terms of budget, then they can automatically eliminate kind of the mid-tier and higher end florists and just go explore the ones that are within their price range. So as far as vetting them goes and making sure that they, they work well with me and I know they'll deliver for my client, it's really just me honing my team, so to speak, over the years and just realizing who works best with me, who I know will deliver. And then for the for the vendors that I haven't worked with before, it's a lot of double checking with them more than I would my my preferred vendors. So I'm having them review, I'll give them a call, we'll walk through it together. So it takes a little bit more work on the front end to, to vet your vendors, but that's another great thing about bringing in a, an event professional to assist in planning the event. You have a, you have someone on your side that can recommend people who they have spent years vetting. So I think that's definitely a benefit. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that too, because I think for somebody who who is established in the industry, you might already have those vendors that you've honed down to say, this is who your preferred vendors are. For somebody who's new to the industry, you really are going out there and relying on word of mouth or other people to give you feedback on who they're working with. But you made a good point and a great suggestion as far as having those conversations, maybe a, jumping on a call and walking through your event or meeting with them in person, doing a site walkthrough or something like that, where you can ensure that they know and you have an understanding of how they run their business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? It also comes down to just, you got to do your research on vendors. If they have been in business for 15 years and they have a good amount of reviews, positive reviews all over the internet, then you're probably in good hand. There's nothing wrong with people who are new to the industry. Everybody has to start somewhere. But if you are, if you really want to guarantee that your event is going to go off without a hitch, maybe going with someone who's been in business for six months isn't for you. Right. And I think also, you know, re requesting, you know, multiple quotes. So not just going with the very first person who jumps out at you, but maybe asking for two or three vendors to submit an RFP to you and then weighing 
out, whether it's the price point, the length of time that they've been in the industry, because one might just be as reputable as the other. It's just other factors will weigh into that too. Absolutely. No, that's a great point. And I tell my clients all the time, three is that magic number. I don't think that, especially when it comes to the venues are kind of a different story because you do want to find the space and there's so many options available, especially in this area. But when it comes to your other vendors, three quotes is good for vendor category is the way to go. That way you can do a little more research. There might be one that is just so far out of your price range and they're automatically out of the running. Then you have, you, if you have two left, you're still in good shape and you can kind of do your, your research on them. Doing your background research and, and getting a few quotes is, is definitely the safe way to go. Yeah. And again, it sounds like you have a great list of people that you can reach out to a great network of people that you've worked with in the past, when you're in the process of negotiating a contract, what kind of terms and conditions are you putting into place to make sure the coverage of the event and the event itself is um, the expectations are going to be met of your client? Being in DC, obviously there are, are a lot of prominent yet private people here. So I have had quite a bit, I've had quite a few clients over the past several years who respect their privacy and their guest privacy and don't want any of their photos displayed online. So that is probably my most popular thing that I negotiate during during contract negotiations is making sure that my clients are covered in terms of not having their photos kind of splashed everywhere. And that's a that's something that a lot of vendors don't like. And I've had plenty of vendors not want to work with my clients because it is against such a visual industry. And if vendors can't show those photos after, then it's, it might not be worth it for them to take on the event. So, so that's, it's, it's kind of a catch 22 situation there, but that is probably the biggest thing that I negotiate. Another big thing is cancellations. So I have only in six years of doing this, I've had um, be canceled. And luckily we were in a position where we were, we were able to get all of her deposits back. But ever since then, um, it's something that I really am in tune with when I look at contracts, I want to make sure that God forbid, we do need to cancel that my clients are getting as much back as possible. People cancel an event and it's usually for a pretty horrific reason. So adding insult to injury and not getting any of their money back is just, it's something that I want to avoid at all costs. Another thing that I've been seeing pretty recently is hotels. There are, I, and I, I should add this caveat that a lot of my clients either are attorneys or they're, they have an attorney in the family. And I work very closely in that situation with the attorney, whoever that point person is to go over all of these things. And I highly recommend no matter who you are, no matter what the scale of the event is, always bring on an attorney to look at the contract because I did not go to law school and I only understand contracts to an extent. So having someone that you can call upon to kind of explain things to you and, and look it over with a professional set of eyes is definitely the way to go. But the thing that I'm seeing with hotels a lot is protection if and when the hotel is sold. You know, we started the planning process about a little over a year and a half out. And so in that time, a hotel can easily be sold to another management company. And in that case, kind of everything changes. Obviously your point person changes, your catering changes, the space may change all of those things. So that's another thing that I've looked very closely at with my hotel event clients is just making sure that plans are put into place if and when that does happen. And then the same thing sort of goes for point people at the venue. So making sure that 
at all times, we will have a point person. There's just a lot of turnover in the events industry in general. I can't even think where we started with the same venue contact and ended with the same one. It just, especially with hotels, there's just so much bouncing around. So putting plans in place for that as well, just to make sure that we, our emails aren't going unanswered for months at a time, because that's, that has happened before. And then in terms of liability of, of my clients and uh, vendors, because I am in a situation where obviously my responsibility is to my clients, but being on the vendor side of things, I obviously understand vendors wanting to be protected in case things like that. So there's a lot of picking apart contracts in that in that instance, and just making sure that everyone's happy with the the final result of everything. And then travel fees are another one. That's another thing that I get asked a lot, and every single vendor is different with this. And I know with with meeting and and shows, it's completely different because you're bringing a ton of staff on site. So obviously, and obviously, you know, shows are not locally, you're kind of all over the place, depending on what space in the country fits your, your show or your group. So travel fees are another thing that I negotiate a lot, whether that's making sure that that my staff is covered in terms of hotel rooms or in, ter- in terms of, you know, mileage reimbursement or tolls or anything like that. I negotiate that a lot. The big points that, that I kind of, that I look at the most when going through contracts. But again, every every client is different. And when I do have clients that are attorneys or have attorneys in the family, the contract negotiations are definitely a lot more long and drawn out because they we do pick it pick it apart. But for my my clients that don't have that don't have an attorney, those are the big points that I that I try to try to negotiate. Yeah, and I think you've touched on some great points there too. You know, point about also um, working with an expert. You're the planner. You're not necessarily an expert in contracts. It's smart to just have somebody else, another set of eyes. You you don't have to be the expert. There's people out there who will look over those items for you and make sure that you have every everything covered. Exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this is with any industry. You don't know until you know. So a lot of the time, something will happen at an event, and I immediately come back and talk to my attorney and say, okay, we need to add this in the contract. I can give you a perfect example. I had never had anything about harassment in my contract for years. And last year we had an incident where there was a guest who was yelling at my team member and was getting in her face and it got really, it got really ugly. And so immediately I came back and had my attorney write in a harassment clause that basically says it's not tolerated. You need to respect my staff, and obviously we will respect all of your guests, but it's a two-way street and it's not going to be tolerated. So just putting that in front of people and making them aware that if this situation does occur, if one of their guests is acting inappropriate, that measures will be taken. I think with contracts, a lot of the time, especially in the events industry, because things can and will go wrong, spelling out every little tiny thing makes a huge difference. Just putting that in front of people and, you know, even having them initial every single clause I found is because people don't, people don't generally read a full contract. They'll skim it and sign it. It's very rare that people, you know, sit down and actually pick apart every single sentence. So having them initial each clause that they've read it, I think it makes a, it makes a huge difference. But yeah, with, with this industry, I think in general, you really just have to be very specific when it comes to contracts. Yeah. And I agree. And I think that's a great point that you made too, about how you had to go back and adjust a contract so that moving forward, you're able to proceed. Hopefully that doesn't happen again, or at least people are aware of where you, your stance on that particular aspect of working with them. 
Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, and obviously my responsibility is to my team and to protect my team. And so any measures that I can take to do that, I will do. And outlining that in the contract has, I have not had a single person come back and question it ever since I did it. And it's been about a year since we implemented that. So I think, again, just being very specific about your your needs and what you will put up with and what you won't put up with and what your expectations are, it makes a big difference. When you're at an event and something doesn't go the way that you planned, how then do you, one, handle it on site? And then how do you follow up with your vendors after the event has occurred? Just It just happens all the time. And it really it totally depends what, what the situation or the issue is. I mean, I've had everything from a bouquet arriving and the bride hating it and me having to deconstruct it, go to run to Whole Foods, get get some flowers from Whole Foods and, and just remake the whole thing. I've had last, last weekend, for instance, five minutes after the ceremony, the mother of the bride ended up passing out, hitting her head and was knocked unconscious. They had to do chest compressions. It was it was very bad, very scary. She ended up having to be transported to the ER and was in the hospital for a few days. So so there's situations that range from not a big deal like a bouquet to a big deal like a medical emergency. So it's really just, it comes down to staying calm and under pressure and quick thinking. And again, being in this industry and being able to, to be calm, cool, and collected, think quick on your feet and be creative being inherently creative and being able to come up with quick solutions just on the fly. It, I mean, you have to be able to do that to survive in this industry. So, but in terms of the follow-up with vendors after the fact, if it was a a bigger issue and something that we had discussed before and they, it just, and they showed up like a florist showing up with not enough boutonnieres when the contract clearly states, you know, we need eight and they showed up with six. Then of course I'll send an email after and just say, Hey, just so you know, we didn't get those two additional boutonnieres. If we could get a refund for the, my client, that would be great. And moving forward, just make sure that next time your your counts are correct. Double, double, triple, quadruple check, whatever you need to do. So in those kind of situations, I will follow up. If it's something that, you know, I've had plenty of, of DJs or sound engineers where there's been feedback during the ceremony and the speaker just gives that like loud screeching noise. I mean, there's nothing you can do after about that. There's nothing that I can do. I can't email him after and say, you need to fix that for next time. It's already something that's sort of out of their control and they already know that it's an issue. So it really, again, depends on what, what the scenario is. If it is something that I feel like we clarified multiple times before the fact and it's still wasn't done correctly, then I will definitely follow up. Absolutely. Yeah. And essentially it's inevitable you know, that things are going to happen that are beyond your control, your vendor's control. And if it is something where it clearly was in the contract and it was missed, you know, maybe them just offering a simple sort of refund or credit towards your next purchase with them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the one of the big differences between meetings happen usually on an annual basis and you sit down. I remember sitting down after every event and going through a, doing a post-con doing several post-cons, one with, you know, the full staff, one with just registration and housing, one with our vendors, and just kind of going over what went right, what went wrong to fix it for the next year. But again, for instance, last weekend, this this medical emergency, it has me and my team, we're going to go get CPR certified. And we're going to, we now know to ask the questions when we go to a venue, where's the defibrillator? Where, how far is the closest hospital? What's your emergency preparedness plan? So, you know, things happen and I mean, it's not directly related to going back to the vendors and kind of talking about what we're wrong, but planning for the future and knowing that 
in this situation, because it's happened before, it could totally happen again, what, what would our steps be internally to deal with it? It's important that we, we kind of regroup after the event to see what internally we can do better next time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, again, another great suggestion too, is for the events over, what can you take away from it and what can you improve for future events? So your vendors really are an extension of your core team. And I think that's something that's important to kind of touch upon is that you're not only building a relationship with these people to run a a smooth event, but they really do become an asset to the way that your event is run in the process beforehand, but then on site, you're really building those relationships and you have to have a sense of trust in them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It also, especially with the clients where I am suggesting these vendors to them, it reflects on me. If they don't do a good job on site, then ultimately I'm the one who told my clients to hire them. So that falls back on me. So, and and that's the same goes for meeting planning, you know, hiring a, a registration company was up to me and my boss. And if the company that we hired didn't do a good job and things fell through the cracks, ultimately it falls on us because we were the ones who chose to work with them. We thought they would be the best fit. So yeah, they are. I love that you said it. it's an extension of my core team because that's that's what it is. And the same thing with associations and, and meetings, the participants, the meeting attendees, they don't know behind the scenes how many, what companies, you know, did all of the registration or set up all of the, the full exhibit hall or anything like that. They just assume the association is the face. And if anything goes wrong or if they don't like something, they're blaming the association. So it's the same sort of thing on, on my end of things where I am, I am the face of these vendors that I've recommended. And if they don't do a good job, then it looks like I didn't do a good job. Right, exactly. You know, I realize the importance of building your relationship with vendors. They know your show. They know how it's run. They know what you like. They know the size of your event. They know the, you know, the venues that you've been at. And I think that's great. That's the reason why you're working with them. I guess in the sense of keeping things fresh and keeping things innovative, what ways are you making sure that your vendors are also keeping up with the trends and what's up to date? So I think because this is such a, a visual industry, everybody who really, who's in the design aspect of it. So, you know, your, your designers, your florists, your invitation suites, designers, your rental companies, those people are just inherently creative. So they are generally the ones who are kind of on top of the trends, constantly bringing in new products, constantly creating new content. It's usually the ones that are not as creative. Caterers are usually pretty, pretty up with the trends, but the ones that are kind of doing the same thing over and over, like a DJ, they don't need to recreate the wheel. Um, But I have had, I think this is a great example because I have had DJs before where they are just very, very old school and they show up with actual CDs and not they're, they're, they're taking seconds in between songs to switch CDs. And it's happened now twice. And they were both coordination clients for me. And as soon as that happened, it was, they would never be on my preferred vendor list because you have to keep up with the times in terms of, um, you can budget and you can go with someone who's a lower price point, but just do your due diligence and make sure that there isn't a huge red flag as to why they're a lower price point, because sometimes the case is that, you know, they're, they haven't, like in the case of a DJ, they haven't invested in the new Bose speakers that are completely wireless and completely hidden. In terms of design, because I think that's sort of the biggest um, element in terms of being innovative, innovative and staying on top of the trends and kind of being at the, the top of the, the game, so to speak. 
I try to push my vendors. I try a lot of my design proposals for clients. If I can't find any sort of inspiration, I'll either Photoshop something or sketch it out. And I have heard time and time again, I send it to different vendors and they're like, we can't do this. And I have other vendors who I'll send it to them. They're like, give us a week. We will price out a custom build for you and they will do it no problem. So I think it's one of those areas of the industry where there are people that are are stuck in their ways and have done this for years and years and years in a specific way. And that's the way that they're going to keep doing it. Those maybe aren't the vendors that I work best with because I need my vendors to just kind of always be up for a challenge. It's it's a little easier to get kind of pigeonholed by vendors into, you should do this because this is the way I've always done it. It looks good. Do this. Like having an event professional come in with a fresh set of eyes and knowing that there really are not a ton of limitations and being able to design around that, I think is 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 great. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, planners can sometimes get stuck. Sometimes I think we can get stuck too using the same vendor over and over again, not really looking at who else is out there, maybe because we're not familiar with them. But but just because you've used somebody for 10 years, you know, there's no sense in not exploring what other vendors are out there um, to continue that creative process and keep your show moving forward. Absolutely. And I think that's a that's a huge and, and very smart difference to point out between with meetings, you generally are locked into a contract for an extended period of time and you're doing the same event over and over and over. With, with a show, it's a lot harder to be innovative because you only have a a year in between to change things. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things for a larger show, that's that's no time at all. So yeah, I mean, it does, there is, there is a little bit of getting stagnant and kind of feeling like it's just more comfortable to stick with the same vendors. Because again, like you said, they know the show, they know the venue, they know what you like, what you don't like, but it, it, that does sort of pave the way for people to get, I don't want to say lazy, but just kind of stuck in their ways and not as innovative as someone who can come in with a fresh set of eyes and say, I don't think this works as well as this would work. So yeah, bringing in, bringing in new vendors. Like I said, I work with a lot of clients that hire their own vendors that I've never worked with. And a lot of times those vendors turn out great. I have wonderful relationships with vendors that my clients introduced me to so that I would have never met probably otherwise. So yeah, being open to, to expanding your network and bringing on other vendors is is the way that you should be if you want to create innovative events time and time again. Yeah. And, and for the conference planners, it's, you know, we're booking or contracting with somebody, you know, a general service contractor, it might be for two, three, five years sometimes. And so from that perspective, it's going out to bid maybe every so often, maybe you don't necessarily change who you're working with, but at least continuing to research what the competitors are and, and, and what they're doing. Yeah, see what's out there. Is there anything else that you think would be beneficial for a conference organizer or planner to know either the initial stage where they're going out to research vendors as they're preparing to negotiate a contract, what they're putting in their contract. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think the most important thing before you're booking your vendors, make sure you have a very good grasp on what the event is going to look like as a whole in terms of logistics and timing. You don't need to have a full timeline nailed down, but just, you know, general timeline of this is what I'm thinking. This is when it's going to start. This is kind of what's going to happen throughout. And then a, 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 good, a pretty solid vision of what it's going to look like aesthetically, because 
going in blind and just booking vendors for an event that doesn't really have any conceptualization yet is you're not doing your due diligence and you're doing your de- yourself a disservice because depending on what that final product looks like, there is a chance that you aren't booking the vendors that are the best fit for you. So making sure that you're going in, having done your research and you're not just getting like excited to knock things to check things off the list. I think it's super important. Thank you so much for pointing that out. And thank you so much for all of the agree guys. I think what you really touched on today showcases that any event that is going to be successful truly relies on a combination of a well you know, built team, which includes your vendors. And at times it can be challenging finding the right vendor you need for each piece of the event that you're planning. So having an overall con- conceptual idea of what you would want the event to be, I think is extremely important. So thank you for sharing that. And to kind of just close the session now, you know, through thoughtful research, through vetting, through going out to bid, to compare and contrast to see what new ideas are out there, not only helps to strengthen your events, but also helps to avoid any situations that can arise. Absolutely. Yeah. The more research, the better. And I know that, you know, timelines don't always give you the flexibility to, to do a ton of research, but you're better off doing more research and really, truly vetting your options if you want a successful event. That's that that's the bottom line. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing more from you in the future and appreciate all the great advice on today's show. Thanks so much for joining us. Likewise, this was so fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Exposed. Tune in every Tuesday to hear a new episode and join in on the conversation at ExposedConferencesPodcast.BuzzRoute.com.